the One Two Football Podcast. The voices of tomorrow here today. Hey guys, welcome back to the One Two Football Podcast. I'm Nathan, and following the new rules that have come to the fore in recent weeks, we are talking about all the things we would like to see in the beautiful game. As usual, I'm joined by Ollie and Kieran. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm good. We have, we haven't had a podcast in a, in a what two weeks is it? So it's yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's good to be back. Social media boycott done. Um, and yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. We're having a what two three week break. I think we 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 have one in the works for um, a certain scenario, but that quickly ended up in the bin when we realised everything we said was redundant. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> good to be back. Looking forward to this one as well. Let's get into it. So, like we've already said, today is all about the changes we want to see made in our beautiful game. So, following the new rules with ownership, following the uh, European Super League, we're going to say each of us two things. One that we want to change about a certain rule already, and one thing that we want to bring in and introduce, you know, add something to football that isn't going to ruin it like the European uh, Super League did. So, we'll start off with Nathan. What do you want to change about something already in the game? Um, I think mine's pretty pretty simple, really. As someone that has gone to a lot of games, and one of my hobbies when when we could obviously was is going to football matches. One of the things you realise is how how expensive it is, and how extortionate to to get into some of these these clubs, to get into some of these grounds that you want to go to. It's so expensive. So one thing I would do is I'd introduce a cap for ticket prices, especially adult ticket prices, because I feel like clubs tend to get it kind of right with the the under eighteen prices. They do tend to be quite cheap. But the adult prices for some teams are ridiculous. I mean, not completely. Well, Arsenal, for example, <laughs> got a bit lost there. Arsenal, for example, they it's like their casino takes like a grand, which which to, to go to football and to pay a grand. I mean, mostly I don't know how much these people earn. I don't know what the average figure for what someone earns is, but that's a lot of what someone earns considering they probably have to pay for a house, pay for you know a car, considering all of that. So I feel like the Premier League at least, because the Premier League is probably where the ticket prices are the most expensive need to introduce a cap to the, the, the slogan for, for a lot of the, the protests about these sort of things is 20s plenty. And I feel like that that is a good price. 20 quid for an adult to get into a Premier League football match. They get a billion pounds. You know, they've got a billion pounds TV deal. TV deals, they're all on Sky, BT, Amazon Prime. They get so much money in sponsors. Gate revenue is not actually that important to Premier League clubs. It maybe is slightly more important to, to clubs in the, in, the league, in the lower leagues. But still, I think if you get if you reduce the price of something, that all fans can use and it makes football such a more inclusive place for not just people with higher income but also people with a lower income maybe struggling and it's such a great little mental health boost as well for people obviously not everyone's mental health benefits of watching football when when the teams are rubbish but overall it's always a great experience going there and, and watching and going with your friends and being able to do that and also you see what Florentino Perez is saying 16 to 24 year olds are, are, are low in interest in football it's because it's not accessible it's because these kids, these people cannot go to games because once you reach 18, you're then priced as an adult. And most 18-year-olds aren't making that kind of money. So it making the game more inclusive for younger people, as well as the older people who maybe feel a bit priced out, um, just make, it makes football better because football without fans, is, as we always say, football without fans is nothing. So we just need, need that and hopefully we can get back to full crowds and, and less prices. Firstly, I disagree with what Florentino Perez said anyway, and you saying that like the younger people are falling out of love with the game. No, they're not. He's talking rubbish, doesn't know what he's on about. So that's just my opinion on that. But I agree that prices do need to be dropped because they are 
crazy. I mean, I'm, I always have been a Manchester United fan because my dad was and I love it and I've gone on a stadium tour, but I've never actually gone to a live game in at Old Trafford because of the prices. It's just ridiculous. And for someone that's, you know, supported them my entire life, it, it, it's a shame really. And people might say, oh, you're not a real fan, you've not gone. No, I am a real fan. I just can't afford to go um, and watch, uh, you know, a Premier League game or whatever with Man United. So that's a shame. But um, saying that, I do think that price tickets do matter because obviously coronavirus has seen fans not being able to go in and you've seen clubs make millions of pounds of losses and obviously it's not you can tell and say they, they, they are billions that they're really rich and not going to affect them but obviously gate tickets do still have a massive impact as coronavirus has proven but I do agree that it does need to be reduced and I, I'm not going to say a figure on it but drastically reduced yeah but I still think we still need to take in you know what yeah okay it's not a business, but they need this revenue. But I agree that they do need to reduce the price ticket. So I'm not gonna not gonna disagree with that change. Yeah, no, I think that would be a bit harsh to disagree with that. Um, I'm fully in favour of that as well. Um, with Ollie saying that he can't afford to go to Old Trafford, being a Spurs fan, I've been to a few live games, and and it, it's it's not a regular occurrence though because, like you said, you just you just can't afford it. That's just how it is. Um, I think with gate revenue for Premier League clubs, I'd say I'd lean more towards Nathan that the broadcasting rights and those sort of things and sponsorship deals are, are the main source of income for higher level clubs, elite clubs as such. Um, yes, there is an, an aspect of, of course, gate revenue and kiosk and merchandise sales, everything that would be associated with a match day does have its effect. But, you know, I feel like a lot of these clubs probably are also struggling because of just poor investment at times as well. Um, I mean, just look at what we, what you can get uh, locally for us at Exeter. You know, it's 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 affordable, and that's why you see so many people go to it. And at the end of the day, football is for the fans. And and as we've seen over the last year, kind of football's really not been the same. Um, and you will start to get more people involved if you do lower the prices of those tickets. But then I think you also need to kind of get rid of more corporate seating because a lot of these. You know, you, you always feel like where the main camera is on Premier League stadiums, that section straight down the halfway line is a few hundred seats all taken up by big time nobodies. Well, obviously, they don't care about football. They're just there for the three course meal. You know, that's that's just how it is. And that's why it feels like at times it the game is a secondary to most people there. And you see when it comes back from half time, half those seats are empty, probably more than that. You know, and I just think that's pretty naff. So I think if you're going to bring down those ticket prices, I think to get more people involved again, you have to kind of affect the corporate seating as such and the hospitality situation. But I think that's a whole other issue to be honest. I think another thing with, with ticket prices and one thing that definitely makes it feel more expensive, and this isn't a football problem, but I know in Germany they've tried to solve it, is the, the, travel, the travel prices. I mean, it's so expensive to get like a train to anywhere, basically. Like, especially if you don't have a rail card. I had to, I had to shout for a rail card because if I was doing it without one, I'd be, I'd be bankrupt by now. But it, it's just, it's crazy. I think in Germany that the system is if you buy an away ticket, um, they at least subsidise some of the travel. So that, like, because it's like, how much is it to get to Derby? Because I live in Derby normally. I'm in Exeter now. It's about sixty-four pound with split ticket in to get there, which is a lot of money. So let's say I'm going to Derby. Tra traveling up there I'm paying 23 quid for a ticket I'm paying 64 pound for a train that's a lot of money that is going towards a football match that it's just not necessary so if there could be a way and it's highly unlikely that the government and football and the Premier League will work together to subsidize a bit of away travel you don't have to you still have to pay for the trains and stuff but make it a bit less or 
that will make it kind of direct. I don't know how it would work, but if there's a way they can do that, it would just make. I feel like it would just make football way more inclusive and allow local and, and allow local people again to, to feel maybe if they feel that they've been priced out, especially in lower income places, they can get back in and watch their favourite team. I mean, you say travel as well, but food and drink at some of these places is yeah. crazy as well. Yeah. I mean, like a pint for like eight quid or something and like a pie yeah. for like 12. So, I mean, if we're talking about all of it, every single thing is an expensive day out and one that I've not really done properly with, a, you know, a Premier League team. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about travel. You've got to think about food as well. That's nearly half a half a ticket price. Nearly a price of just a ticket to go to watch X City to go and get a burger and a pint and to watch Man United. So it's just all crazy, really. It's so weird, and then you know, there's so many things that's so expensive in football. But hopefully, maybe they will listen to this podcast and, and they'll realize that they need to change it. How it be? <laughs> so, Kieran, what were we saying for your change? What do you reckon? Okay, um, so mine is not even necessarily something with the game in, in terms of the actual fan experience. I had a bit of a think about this, um, and in a way, it's more just to voice my opinion on certain things that I've noticed, especially since not being able to go to games. Um, is obviously you're going to watch a lot more on the TV, on BT, on Sky, um, and I would just get rid of all of the fossils, deluded, absolutely stink up the place with their lack of football knowledge, despite playing football. That's the amazing thing is, is you think with, I'm not going to name any names. People can form their own opinion of who I'm talking about. People who've played the game and yet still don't understand these things. They're just, they just seem so out of touch with everything. And it's just quite amazing really how you can, and, and I appreciate that there's an element of debate, but in some of the things that we're arguing for, um, it's just, Ludicrous. Um, so, like, kind of my examples is a game on B Sport one time with Lucy Ward as the co-commentator. It was a breath of fresh air because co-commentators on BT Sport. What I've noticed is they try to have their own personality. They try to make it about them, and what they forget to realise is, firstly, there's a game on that they should be focusing on, and secondly, before commentator, it's co. Your job is to assist the lead commentator. And, you know, as I said, you can put the names where you want to of who I'm talking about, but these people just dominate it like they're the most important thing there. And Lucy Ward was absolutely perfect. She spoke at the perfect times where she needed to add certain things of analysis or anything like that to a play. The commentator would bring her in at certain times to explain certain things. And it just was so refreshing to see that a commentator and a co-commentator actually work together how they're meant to work together. So, I mean, I would I would just bring in people who actually kind of seem to understand the job title of what they're doing. I mean, I'm just going to go in there. It sounds like you got a little bit of a crush there, mate. Um, uh, <laughs> but I get what you mean, but I feel like that's more of an opinion rather than sort of like with the money, that's sort of a, like a serious topic. And obviously to you, it's a serious thing, but I feel like this is a matter of opinion because obviously some people like people, some people don't like people. And I feel like with commentary, that's exactly that. Like certain people, for instance, really like Graham Sooners and some people really hate him. So, I mean, it, it's, I don't think it's as easy to turn and say, you know, get rid of all the, the, all the rubbish commentators because it's a matter of opinion who the rubbish commentators are. So I think it's a hard one to do that. But um, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say on it. I think we saw over the weekend, obviously everything that happened at Man United and, and the protests, everything like that. And clear, 
like just a lack of understanding i think was the thing that annoyed me the most it was like what do, do you do your research i think that's probably for me with commentary maybe i won't change context but i'd get them to just i'm sure they do do a bit of research but sometimes it feels like they just stroll into the booth and and kind of just look at the commentators notes and, and, and go off that you know it's like do your own research come to your own opinions and Maybe they are coming to their own opinions, but I saw I was the BBC analysis of the match on match the day of the protests, and it, it was just sitting on the fence. It was just oh, I don't want to annoy them, and I don't want to annoy them. Like it's very clear what you're like, what is right here. What you've got to remember though, you've got to remember though that obviously as journalists we know this. You can't just say stuff like they. You have to be careful, especially on like the BBC, that you're not going to like get sued or anything like that. So you know, many times on especially on the Sky one when I was watching the protest, they were like, look, we're not going to tell. I'm not, I can't remember who it was, but it might have been Gary Neville. Someone said, I'm not going to say completely what I mean because obviously we can't. But to blah 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 and say this. So you've got to remember like they're kind of. I'm not. I don't want to say they're kind of. You know. Help, they are held back. They're kind of, in a way, they're muted in certain aspects of what they want to say. So I don't feel like you can turn around and say, you know, they're sitting on the fence because they have to. They can't I, come out and say certain I, things. I think what maybe sitting on the fence is the wrong way, but it's just a clear lack of understanding of the situation and kind of not fully, fully looking at what, like, what is... <laughs> Sorry, Kieran's taking a phone call. Podcast. <laughs> for Sorry, I applied for some jobs recently and I was, I was like, I don't want to miss it. Um, it might have been a wrong number because they just hung up. Sorry, carry on. Now, you were the phone for that Lucy, weren't you? And I don't mean your actual girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no. Come but on, the, carry on, carry on. The, um, so, yeah, there was just a clear lack of understanding, which kind of annoyed me, because it's like, if you did, like, five seconds of research, you'd understand what is happening and why it's happening. So that's probably more annoying than the fencing. And I understand that as someone that kind of fences a lot in general, I understand that kind of, the, the notion of it. But just I wish they had more understanding and more research in, in their job. Probably that's all I'd ask for. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair enough. I guess it's more of a wide variety one where, like Ollie said, it is slightly more opinion as to anything else. I think I mean I think it's probably the vast majority um, is opinion, but that nonetheless. Um, I thought you were about to say it's the right. I just think it. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to sit on the fence with it. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> controversial or anything like that. It's sign just... him up, BBC. Sign him up. He's sitting on. The... <laughs> it's just how I view things, especially more with lockdown. And it does feel like what Nathan said is the preparation is sometimes quite poor and you can tell that. And so I just ask that you do your job, basically. Um, This this is not me sitting on all high and mighty thinking I could do a better job. I'm just saying if you're in that position of power, I feel like we've trusted you as viewers to do things and explain things in a certain way. And when you don't do that, you feel a bit let down. So yes, I guess it is kind of subjective to me but nonetheless I would like to change something there whether that be bringing in people who understand things better um, or just getting rid of people who seem to just not really care that much you know you said you applied to new jobs have you applied to the BBC and this is just your way of trying to get your foot in the door (laughs) All right, anyway, moving on. My change, it's, um, it is money again. And it is something that I think everyone can agree on to a certain extent. It's transfers, it's wages, it's uh, agent fees. It's putting a cap on all of that. Stopping this stupid amount of money being pumped in and just paid to players and to some youth players, it is just crazy. You know, the price tag to a certain extent is going to have a mental impact on on the players and people that are brought in. Um, obviously, you hear a lot about that, but most importantly, it's because 
nobody is worth 100 million pounds. I understand there's a lot of money in this game, but the prices are just getting absolutely crazy. And um, I just think that needs to be capped. And I, I don't really have a figure to cap it at. I'm, I'm not, you know, a financial person, but something that it can't go above, like, 80 million pounds when that was like around the public thing, 89 or whatever, I was like, that's crazy. And now all of a sudden it's like, you're looking at 100, 120 million pounds and that's just too far. And I think not only does it need to be stopped because it's just crazy and it's, you know, these are, these are people, these, these are people that are being, that are being told they're worth 100 million pounds. And, you know, I think that's just ludicrous in itself, but also to maybe open up the playing field a little bit. I'm not saying we make everyone worth five million pounds and you know a cap around the 80 million pound mark is still a lot but I think it might work quite well um, because obviously if you lower it too much to say like 50 million pounds the likes of Man City, the likes of PSG, people like that they'll just be able to go out and buy all the good players in the world in one transfer window so you can't have it too low that everyone can go and do this and obviously financial fair play will come into play with that as well but I mean it will, I think it will open up the playing field because, you know, these lower teams will have ambitions and they'll be able to know, you know what, if we can raise this much money, we can actually bid and we're not going to get outbid. And it'll be down to the player to actually pick his preference on the sort of team, the sort of team he wants to be involved with and not having that sway of this team's going to pay me, you know, double the amount. So as much as I want to play for, you know, that team, it seems stupid because obviously, like, if someone's going to pay you double the amount, you're, you're going to sway more in their favour. So I think with wages, with transfers, and of course with agent fees, which I know um, Nathan is, uh, will probably say a little bit in a minute, you know, it just needs to be capped to not only, like I said, open the playing field, but just to make the entire game fairer, to reduce any mental strain on players. And also just, you know, that saved money. It probably wouldn't happen and they're probably not going to put a cap on it, but that saved money. So let's say, you know, they're going to pay, for instance, hundred million pounds on Haaland. If let's say if there was a cap for 80 million pounds, some of that money that they were going to pay can be put more into, you know, the community side of it. It was EFL day of action last month about what they do in the community. And so I feel like if we put a cap on the amount of money you're spending on players, you can use that extra money that you've got to put into the community and also linking it with Nathan. If they're getting less, if they're having to pay less on players, they'll be able to take that and not only the community, but lower the prices of tickets. So it's, it's a win-win to be honest all around in my opinion. I think I think we all know foot, that money's got out of control in football. It is I know naturally things inflate and whatever. And, and to be honest, I'm expecting at some point soon, or not some point soon, next 10, 20 years, a kind of crash in football and money's going to kind of go so high that it's just not going to, it's all going to fall apart. But there there has to be some sort of cap. I don't know how it would translate in terms of fees. I know wages you certainly can. Unfortunately, they, they introduced a cap in League One, League Two. And then a bunch of clubs that rely on big spending and don't have a great infrastructure were like, well, this is nonsense. And then they, they scrapped it as soon as there was a bit of pressure on it. So they've tried these things and it hasn't hasn't worked. So I, I think more more of these boards and leagues and stuff, they need to show a bit more a backbone in them situations. And as you say, I was going to talk the agency, the agency is really ridiculous. I think it was it this year, it's this year over two hundred million pounds has gone to agents, which is crazy. That's so much money for people. I mean, I'm sure they do a good job. It's, it's work at the end of the day. It's honest work. But that's so much money. To understand, that's ridiculous amount. I think Chelsea had paid like, I mean, I can't remember how much exactly, but it was over 10 million to agents. It's, it's just bizarre. And it, and it prices people out. It prices lower clubs out of football early on because, you know, they can't afford to put in that additional 5 million they need to give to the agent for coming out of a deal. You see people like Mina Raiola have got more power than most clubs do in football. And that's just bizarre. So uh, yeah, it's it's a whole thing really, and and another thing is I think fans as us as fans we, we need to kind of do a bit better with this. 
you know, we, we talk about we, we want less money in the game, but oh, we'd love to have that £150 million striker. We'd love to have this player in. Oh, you know, we want our owner out. We want this billionaire owner out. Let's get in another one. You know, so when we talk about greed in football, we also have to realize the role we play as fans as not one. Obviously, we don't want, you know, we're not, we're not, not going to sell the club to me, you know, with my, you know, two two or three grand that I've got in my savings. But, you know, they we need to realize that billionaire to billionaire, the, the same things are going to happen and the same is going to keep happening unless something is done. So, I mean, you see it with the Arsenal one, the Cronkay out for the, the spot five billionaire. You know, just because he likes Arsenal, doesn't make anything, anything different to him, for me anyway. And they see it as a. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's out of control. I don't know how you fix it. I do think boards and, and leagues need to show a bit more backbone. And we as fans, just to sum up, we as fans need to be a bit more on the ball with, with not wanting these rich billionaires at the club. I'd say as much as everything Ollie said is, is probably right and it would be beneficial for everyone, I do just think that we're past that, unfortunately in terms of, as Nathan said, the ridiculous amount of money involved in football. Um, it would take so much, so many people agreeing to this. And, and like Nathan said there, if you even started talking about this as a possibility, the pressure would be ridiculous. And as we've known with boards and governing bodies, as soon as anything's applied, it's, nah, don't fancy it. All right, we'll scrap it. You know, that's just, just how it works. So for this to come in, there would need to be drastic, drastic changes beforehand, you know, in terms of who's at the top, in terms of who gets paid what, what the the cap would be. You'd need many, probably hundreds of people thrown out of the role because they would be the ones who put the pressure on um, just to even have a chance of it going through. So I think maybe before this booming, ridiculous pricing in football happened, it could have been prevented and stopped um, but I feel like we've reached so far down the line now with these billionaire owners and these chief executives who run football clubs like businesses that someone would have a problem with it and by someone I mean probably a lot of people and by people I mean the people in power unfortunately um, so that's kind of where it comes down to as, as good as it would be I'd say there's a better chance of pigs falling out the sky I just think my personal view is I think if it's gonna, if something like this is gonna happen, I think it's gonna happen now or never because we're obviously seeing, you know, like owners are getting, you know, people want owners out, and with that, you know, if it's the greedy owners going, maybe something could change here. And obviously, COVID nineteen is gonna have a massive effect on the amount teams can spend. We're probably gonna see in the next transfer window or two that the price. I know obviously, like sort of Harland are gonna, you know, command massive price tags, but the majority of players are probably gonna drop down in the sort of how much they're worth because clubs have less money now. Um, so I feel like if it's going to happen, now it's going to happen because obviously the owners um, are getting a lot of things. There's new rules being brought in following the European Super League. And, and fans' power has been shown. You know, if we speak, something happens as, as proven by the European Super League. So, and I don't, I don't think anyone's going to uproar in the way they did on, on you know, the prices and transfer fees. But I feel like if anything's going to happen, now's the time. With the owners getting, you know, people looking at them a bit differently and with the European Super League collapsing and with less money in the game at the moment, um, I think now would be the perfect opportunity to make a change. But like I said, I think it would have a massive impact on the whole scale, going all the way back, more money in the community, less money needed for uh, you know gate receipts and stuff like that. So I think it'd be great. But also, it might make the players you know want to actually play the game more. Obviously, I know they want to play; they love football. But sometimes you do have to think, you know, has he just done that because you know it's, he's playing and he's you know 300k a week or whatever? So get rid of less money, you might get a bit more actual love for the game back.
But Nathan, now you, your your new thing. What do I want to add? Okay, um, I, I wasn't sure where to go with it really, but I, I, it's an idea that has been kind of floated around for for a while now. Um, by by not powers but be but, but people have been saying this is a great idea. The NBA do it, I think. I'm not sure if the NFL do it, but I know for sure the NBA do. And it's having a, a Premier League subscription service, so every game is available on one app kind of thing or one app one website and you pay a monthly fee like netflix like um now tv or whatever and you watch and you get to watch all the premier league games um for me this would be a, a good thing firstly because sky and bt have a huge stranglehold on english football and the the, the way they get to kind of just do what they want it is it, kind of frustrating especially for for game going fans it, it's so frustrating when you when you have a game like Southampton versus Newcastle or something like that that requires a lot of travel and you, you basically sacrifice your whole day to attend that game if you're, you're a, South, a Newcastle fan or, or, or in that kind of distance. You, you end up having to, to really sacrifice your own personal life for these things. You, you put it on a Friday at 7.45, it benefits no one. You end up at home at a really stupid time and, and they have a real control. You see it throughout the leagues. You think, why is that game on a, on a Friday night? Why is it on a Monday night? It makes no sense. You know, put put some more local games on. So I do believe a subscription service would actually, hopefully, would put the fans first in that regard by putting, um, making sure games are kind of for the in the correct time, the appropriate time, so like Saturday, Sunday. And if it is a Friday game or a Monday game, it would be a kind of local game. You know, one that is is a two hour, three hour journey, which kind of is is okay for for that time. Another thing it would do is, you know, I was talking about ticket prices being expensive. It's expensive to follow Premier League football. You have to pay for a BT subscription, a, a Now TV or Sky subscription, and an Amazon Prime subscription to watch the games. I'm pretty sure, and that that and I don't know how much that tallies up to. That that feels probably about fifty, sixty pounds, uh, you know, a month to watch foot to watch Premier League. I mean, it's just ridiculous. If that was a, a nominal kind of ten pound a month, the 120 quid you spend to watch that for the whole season is already lower, you know, than what you would spend for for three months or four months of trying to catch all the Premier League games. So I just think, it, again, it would be another beneficial thing and, and maybe, oh, but the price would go down. More people are going to pay for it, I feel like. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but more people are going to pay for, for that subscription service because you could have certain, you could have the Premier League years if they could buy that. You could have that on there. You could have loads of Premier League sort of specialised programming for it and really get the interest back in football. You could maybe even, you know, and it would allow sort of, it would just allow more freedom for the fans, I think, and it would be a lot better financially for them as well. So that, that, that's my idea, the subscription service for the Premier League. I think it's something that's definitely going to come more into the public eye, like, in the coming years. Because I feel like it, we're coming now into the stage that, like you said, Amazon Prime, BT, Sky, even BBC sometimes, are, you know, doing all these games. And I feel like before, in like, only until recently, it's mostly been just on Sky and a couple games on BT, but mostly on Sky. So that one sort of place, we kind of very nearly had it with Sky having most of the games. And now, as we see, Amazon, B, BBC, BT, they're all kind of having it. So it's more spread out. So people are having to, you know, put money in all different sort of pots. So whereas before it was very much like, Sky, I can just get that subscription. I watch basically ninety percent of the games. It's now very much like I got Sky, but that's still only sixty percent. So the one place would be an, an amazing idea. It, it sounds so simple to say, you know, to make it like Netflix, but it's, it's probably a lot harder than we think. And obviously, the money is there again. It's all about money, 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 money. That's the world we live in. That's the football world. Um, and you know, some clubs will probably be against it because I know they still get payment from it for TV rights and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I definitely agree that it will be something 
it would be quite cool to have, you know, is that one sort of place where you can get, you know, I can watch that game, I can watch this game. But like I said, I think it's something that's definitely going to be more of a question in the coming months and years because more and more, you know, sort of companies are trying to get a Premier League game to broadcast. Mm, yeah, definitely. I'd say out of all the things we've already said and what we'll probably say, this is the one that's probably going to be the most likely to come in and I expect it will eventually. Um, as Ollie mentioned there, with it being like a Netflix-like service, it, that's exactly what it should be. And I feel like the, the powers at the, at the top of the Premier League and DFA and all, all people like that, I feel like there is enough sway and power there that they can make this decision and do it like that. You know, rights when they first came in, you know, it, it's you, you think back to the days of Champions League on ITV um, and certain things like that, of... If you have the broadcasting rights, you hold the power. And right now, it is mostly with Sky. Then you've got other people coming in, like BT, who've now got some of the Premier League games, um, along with some FA Cup games, along with the Champions League. So, it's kind of spaced out a fair bit. So, if you then make just the Premier League just on its own, streaming service you know that is better for everyone I'd say mostly fans um, and Nathan mentioned as well with the awkward times of games I think you'd see a lot less of that um, so I mean I not only do I agree with it I also think it will happen fairly soon Kieran what, what, what would you what would you add to football what would you, what's your what's your idea I can't speak today Kurt. okay okay yeah so I have kind of noticed that a lot of your ideas were kind of money specific um, and of, of course that is a, a huge problem but another problem from what I've seen from being at games and and playing in certain ones is dissent is a bit of an issue um, whether that be from you can't control it with fans but I feel like on the pitch you can maintain a certain level of respect and you know it's it's, it's fair to say that refs have had a few blunders in recent years but at the end of the day they're people as well and they're there to do their job so I think that like we have in rugby um, and for a few people who watch Masters football on Sky Sports you have a, a sin bin section um, where players are taken off the field for between five to ten minutes it's also happened in kind of grassroots football where it's, it's quite bad as well um, you know, we've had talk of the green card. I think it was in Serie A as well. But I just think you send someone off to the Simbin section. I, I'd say maybe swearing is just kind of part and parcel with it now. But if it's direct, it's aggressive, and it warrants you know someone being taken off the pitch you know I, I think players would think twice about it you know you, you can have it you can have grievances and discussions and debates on the pitch but if it if it goes beyond that I think it's only right that something should be done about it and that's why you bring in this rule and then I think players would probably think twice about saying what they probably want to say and that way you've maintained a certain level of respect in the sport. I feel like, did something very nearly come in like this? I swear there was discussions like a year or two back where 
I, mm. I can't, I, I can't, don't know if I it think was, it was a bit longer, um, but yeah. Like with the five, like sub rule, whatever, or the sub rule. I could have swore there was a discussion going on well with, with sin bins a, a couple of years back. I could be wrong, but I feel like that was something that happened, and I, I'm fully for it. I mean, you know, you see some like some things happen, and you're like, he's got booked for like descent and stuff like that. But a sin bin would, I think, do do really well. And I think, just like you said with the last one, it's probably likely to happen. I, I can see this actually happening. Um, it works well in rugby, but I mean, so did like the VAR type thing. So I don't think we could judge really <laughs> too well in comparison. But yeah, no, I think Descent, you know, obviously fans get a lot of hate and obviously social media boycott was for that. And obviously that's a lot worse than, than this. Um, but I still think we still need to take into referees into consideration and the Descent they get from some players and is is not is not right and you know they're there doing their job just as the footballers are and they need to be protected in a way and they need to have the freedom to like you know what i don't like the way you're talking to me sort of thing go have a little bit of a time out like you're a little bit of a child sort of thing but you know i do think it's the correct thing to do and um yeah i, I think so far this is the most likely to happen i, I can see the the last one obviously like the netflix thing happening but i think this will be the probably the sooner one to be brought in because obviously rules change all the time in the minute and football's up in the air so i can see this being a next season because halfway through the season maybe with the way that they like to change rules yeah i think there's there's a line really with, with how you should talk to a referee you know if you have a general like complaint <clears throat> and maybe you know the odd swear word can slip in there because you're in the heat moment you're frustrated but it's when it goes a bit too far and, and it you know, I think there was a whole thing about like surrounding the referee where they've said what they've said they'll stop it, but they haven't really. And and that's another thing that is kind of it's in a way to try and intimidate the referee because a lot of these refs, you know, but unless you're like can't remember what he was called, but the Darren Drysdale was it? He, I mean, he either he takes no prisoners, but the other ones that they're, they're you know they're small they're smaller men, you know, they're, and even they're not going to stand a chance in in that kind of situation with these big footballers. It'd be, it'd be a bit intimidating, I imagine. So there is a there needs to be more respect shown. It also makes refereeing such it's an already daunting job. And if you want to get more refs involved with the game, providing them that that sim bin and make them feel a bit safe on the pitch as well, which should help, especially in, in, in league football. Obviously, it might not be everything in, in grassroots where you can't control, but I know they've they've trialled it there and I assume it's been been seeming so, somewhat successful. Um so yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys completely. I can just see a dominoes effect happening though. He's he's Simbin's one player, then the rest of the team go around him, start complaining, and just Simbin the entire team. <laughs> Maybe then there'll be a bit of a power trick with officials. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thinking, oh, I quite like this, <laughs> but no. So the final thing that uh, we want to introduce, or I want to introduce, is uh, something I want to call the British Winter Cup. All right. So don't panic, anyone. It's not. A revamped European Super League, obviously, it's, and it's not a British Super League. No one's stress, okay? It's more to add to, like, you know, the sort of football that we like, and it's to bring all of like British football together. So it's um, it'll be a cut for England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and all those teams to come together in one sort of tournament that would replace the League Cup, um, because I, I know a lot of people think it's a bit pointless and stuff like that. But to replace the League Cup, keep the FA Cup, but to replace the League Cup. Um, and it will take place, in my mind, obviously, I don't know the exact ins and outs of how it would work, but just on the basis to take place around December, January sort of time, where Premier League football would pause and League football would pause. Um, and so you do the sort of the first round, because it'll be a very big competition. So you do the first couple rounds during it, just like the League Cup and FA Cup do, just during, like a cup, uh, during the start of the season. So that would go along with normal League football. Um, and then when you get to like the round of 16s, those teams that have made it through or around that sort of round would then just play football for this during December and January. It would give everyone a rest um, because obviously it's a very 
a grueling time for uh, football players. And um, yeah, it would just be a nice escape from Premier League. And obviously that would mean that you wouldn't be doing the games you do then. So you'd have to put them either side of it. So it might be, make a bit more, you know, a bit more of a rammed schedule either side of it. But they would have a lot of players, a majority of players, in fact, would probably have, you know, a month and a half off. So, it, despite having a bit more of a cram schedule when you get back, they would probably be a lot fresher and a bit more rejuvenated from that break. Um, plus, it, you'd get to see, you know, the likes of Celtic and stuff like that take on the likes of Man United, Man City and stuff like this, or lower teams, instead of just making them come over to, like, the Premier League. Obviously, you've got Cardiff and Wales and stuff like that, but instead of bringing them in and ruining the, all the other British leagues, just making one competition where everyone can compete and you can get the best you know, the best of British football. And I think it would be good. The, why would people do that? That's the main thing I think a lot of people do. What would you get from it? The, I'm pretty sure the fund at the minute, if you win the League Cup, is 100 grand. And yeah, okay, I know I've been going on and on about money, but if you have more leagues on it, these people are really just want money. So the money's going to have to be there to make people want to do it. But more leagues in it would mean more money would be in it, okay? You'd probably get more broadcasting rights, even though Nathan doesn't want this. Um, you get more with his thing, but you'd get more broadcasting rights for more money. But the main thing I would take away is the fifth place uh, Europa League in the Premier League. Or, but obviously this doesn't completely work if, it's, if a winner, someone wins it from another league. So you'd have to figure out that with like how, what positions they get in other uh, leagues. Like for instance, the Scottish League at different... Um, European football places but if a Premier League person won it which is what probably would happen but this is the way easy way to say it they would get that fifth place of the uh, Europa League in the Europa League so because I thought fifth place you shouldn't get a trophy or a reward for fifth place in the Premier League you finished fifth okay you're not first you're not second you're not third it's just a bit stupid so I think fifth place you get rid of that so fifth place would have no meaning it would make the Premier League more competitive because you'd have to be in the top four so right now we're talking about all fifth or sixth place everyone will be competing for the top four. So not only would it be Kieran's eight in this, Spurs are never getting European football ever again, but you would, it would make the Premier League more competitive, <laughs> make all the other leagues more competitive. But also, it would bring the best of British football. Now, I think this would also be really well, because obviously it would be a time period just for these teams. It's nothing worse than when, for the likes of us, ex-City get drawn against a big team, and then they don't play their big players. Nobody wants that. You know, okay, yeah, you've got more chance of going through, but us fans want to see that big, the big players. And if it's a break and if it's a temporary pause from normal football, you're more likely to see those big players play the smaller teams, meaning more fans are going to go to them small teams. Sorry, just to interject, Jose Mourinho has just been appointed as the new Roma manager. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah, for next season. Really sorry about that, Ollie. I just saw it pop up. It said Mourinho and Roma. I was like, what? Well, I would say breaking news, but it's going to be a couple of days old. But there you go. <laughs> if if you were, that was breaking news. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Back back to my amazing idea. By the way, okay. So it would, as fans, we want to see the big players. So more fans would probably go to watch these from smaller teams, bringing in more gate tickets, more money for the lower leagues, so that would generate more money for them. And obviously, they'd get participation money. So the lower teams which they've been going, you know, they need to be more funded. This would definitely fund them and give them the opportunity, very unlikely, but, you know, to maybe get in the Europa League. So I think it would just be good. Um, it would make it more competitive. It would give a break in the season. Um, and also, we're not losing that festive fixtures. Everyone loves the festive fixtures. You know, it's something about Christmas. You know, I, I always look forward to it. You know, it's just a couple of games, boxing and stuff like this. So you would still have that. And if anything, it would be a bit more special because it is. it would be the British Winter Cup. And... Um, yeah, I just think um, that it'll just be an exciting addition. It would replace the League Cup, which in a way to many is a bit pointless. Um, 
apart from Man City, who clearly love to win it. Um, but yeah, I think it would be a nice addition to see all of the teams in Britain coming together and you know playing in one league whilst not ruining the main divisions. Yeah, I, I like the idea of expecting that awful British Super League idea that they keep saying, oh, let's get just to get Celtic and Rangers involved because let's kill Scottish football to have two teams involved. Okay. I mean, it's more inclusive for sure. The one thing, the League Cup already offers Europa League place. We don't even need to take fifth away from anyone because the League I Cup already. I just, I just thought it would just make the Premier League more competitive in a way as well. I just thought, but then again, like I said, I don't know how that would work. Because obviously, if it's not a winner from the Premier League, I'm not sure what would happen with that. But yeah, yeah. so it's I think a just a general Europa League, League place. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a general Europa League place would probably split. Yeah, but the um, the one. Well, I'm, I know you said didn't have it all together, but a few logistical questions on it. Um, so how, how many leagues would it go down to in England and all the other leagues? Obviously in England, the, the structure is way better. You probably, you know, most clubs in League One would have a chance of winning the, the Northern Irish League and, and they'd win the Welsh yeah, League no, too. No, I mean, the Welsh League. going to be a politician here. Um, it's, a, it's a work in progress. Um, Watching the question. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not avoiding the question. No, I just think it's a nice to Obviously, I'm, I don't know the full ins and outs, you know. Um, something like a Sinbin's a lot more easier to kind of get the full grips with. But I just think it'll be a nice day. Obviously, in my mind, I'm thinking of all the English leagues, so League 2 upwards. But then, obviously, I don't know how it'll be huge. It would be absolutely massive. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure exactly how it would work. Part of me did think maybe it would start at the end of the other season and then it would go through. So I don't know how. But I just thought it's a nice idea. And, you know, I'll just give them the template and then they can fill in the minor details and stuff <laughs> like that. But, yeah. Let's just, minor details? Let, let's just talk about... <laughs> let's, just, let's just talk the about... Minor the, details? Let's talk about the outline of the plan. <laughs> I, I think there's a way to okay. make it so it's... So it's regionalised until you get to that midwinter part. So the Welsh teams play the Welsh teams and the Irish teams play the Irish teams. All that. So it's so it's not you're not going from Northern Ireland to Exeter midweek because that would be an nightmare. And you get kind of it maybe even be a, a case to doing it. At, Naturally, that would. I was going to say do it in neutral ground, and I realised that's not a good idea as soon as I said it. In, in a but, minute, you know. in, a way, in a way like that, it's a bit like the FA Cup, isn't it? Where the bigger teams kind of drop into it at later stages. Um, so it could work something like that. I'm not exactly sure exactly, obviously, how it would work. It would be a lot of teams, but I just feel like it would add something to it. And everyone moans about the, you know, the players say they want a bit of a rest during the winter period. And I think it gives it that. Obviously, you do need to, like I said, you need to remember that it would make it more crammed either side. Um, but some people would have a month and a half off. So it'll be a bit like a summer break. So I, I think, you know, teams like in Spain, they have a lot, they have a nice winter break off and stuff like that. So I think it, it's bringing together a new competition, which clearly some people think needs to happen um, with the likes of European Super League without ruining the big leagues. And, and I think even without the European Super League coming in, I think it would just be an exciting competition. <laughs> I mean, I think there'll be a lot of um, games that you would think would go one way and they'll go the other way. So yeah, I think it'll just spice it up a bit. And it's a competition which, you know, a lot of teams, the FA Cup's dying a little bit. I love the FA Cup. The FA Cup's always been, you know, that historic sort of English Cup, but bigger teams aren't interested in it as anymore, as you can see by the teams they're putting out. And so I think like this would just, you know, maybe just get more teams of the up things, getting bigger games against the smaller teams. And I think it'll be exciting for all fans. Kieran, what are you going to say? I feel like you're going to hate on it. I don't know why. I can just sense, sense of negativity coming. Some positives there, for sure. And I like the idea, um, but I'd have no desire to watch it. No desire at all. Um, I thought I thought about it at the time, and I was thinking if you're going to do it from each region, if and you talked about that round of 16 and playing it, I think that that could be something. Um, I do think you do slightly contradict yourself by saying that 
certain you get more of a rest because you don't have to do as much either side um which i think is probably not so true um in terms of you know you imagine a, a team like newcastle say who get knocked out the round before the knockout round so then they then they then have a month off yeah. liverpool say go through get to the final but lose so they've played an extra four or five games say in that short period of time and then they come back against this newcastle game Newcastle team who are fresh have been for about 30 days and you've got the Liverpool team who've played six games in 30 days. I just think it's logistically wise. There's just not enough days in the year and not enough days in the in the footballing calendar. And I also think that you talk about best fixtures. I mean, I'd have no desire to watch Kilmarnock v Newcastle on Boxing Day. You know, I, it's just, it's just, I think the festive fixtures, yes, they are crammed, but there are other ways you can spread it out. And I just think that this idea, I think maybe it would work better as like a pre-season thing uh, um, as opposed to something. I'd like there to be some competitive, just new competitiveness to it because I think it's, it has potential to be a good idea. I just think crammed in the middle of an already crammed season, I don't think it would work. I think obviously I'm not a footballer. I'm not a footballer, obviously that's quite obvious. But um, I think if it was me, and like you said, I know certain teams wouldn't get a break. Um, as much as breaks, they'd still have a break because I'm obviously they're not going to play every single day. But they wouldn't have a break, like you said. Newcastle, if they go on a towel, not saying they would do, but Newcastle going on a towel and Liverpool, you know, for instance, go through, then yeah, they're going to have a bit more of a of a long break. But it's, in a way, it's similar. If teams go through in the League Cup and the FA Cup, then the other teams that are knocked out of that, they don't have that. So in a way, you know, it is obviously it's a bit more grueling because they're having a month off, so it's a bit more in favour of the lower teams. But I mean, as a player, you know. If you're still in it, you're still in it. You're in it to win competitions and you're going to want to be in it. You're going to get uh, European football. You're going to get, you know, a bit of a, a paycheck at the end of it for the football club. And I think it would just be exciting for me. I like the idea of it. Um, we've talked about it several times and, and I really like the idea of it. I like the idea as well that it is the only competition around during the winter period. I feel like there needs to be a winter break um, with this or without it. I think the um, you can see when you come back after Christmas and towards the end of the season, the, the quality dies. That No one can lie that. It does have a sort of a period where the footballing football gets worse because people are tired and fatigued so I feel like that adds to it and yes some teams are going to be a bit unfortunate but at the end of the day that's the price you're going to have to pay for lifting that silverware and uh, I just think it's a good idea um, obviously I can't see it happening but I think it's a much better alternative to the idea of bringing Celtic and stuff over to the Premier League which would as Nathan has said to me before would ruin you know the, those sort of other British leagues so I think it's a good compromise and I think one that I think some people would absolutely love and some people like you, not absolutely hate, but would disagree with. Yeah, I think there's, there's positives and negatives to, to it all, really. It, it, it's, a, it's a weird one because I think if you can make it financially incentive, it, it, it contradicts everything you've said in the yeah, podcast. That's but, what I mean. But it, 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 make, it makes it a lot more easier, you know, if, if a team could somehow put together a cut. I'm sure there's a way you could minimise it down to teams have to qualify. And, and I know there's a competition that's similar to the League Cup in Scotland. You could use that as a qualification method makes all the Betfred Cup. And you can, you know, the league winners are automatic. And I'm sure, you know, that we could go into it. We could spend probably the next 20 minutes talking about how much we'll, what we could do and how, how we could add teams in. But I think in general, it's, it's a good idea. I do kind of resonate with Kieran. I don't know how much I'd be up for watching it, like some some games, but I think, it would be really worth, like the games like Celtic, and if there was a lot of pressure on them and full full attendance, full fans, then 
it would be a real spectacle. Um, but, but yeah, that's, I, I'm 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 more in favour than I'm against it. For sure. I, I I think it's got a lot of possibility, and I think it's definitely a, there's definitely I think a market for that sort of uh, thing. So yeah, I think it's something that could definitely happen. But I think we're, I'm going to stick with the most likely options of you know the Sinbin and the the <laughs> the t- uh, the Netflix style Premier League. And that wraps up the One Two Football podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're now available on all major podcasts and social media platforms at either at One Two Football or at One Two Football UK. Also, take a look at OneTwoFootball.com for all the latest written pieces from our growing list of contributors from around the world. We'll be back next week. <laughs>